Hello everyone this is Swapnil and you're listening to Perspective the podcast produced by ISBR Business School Bangalore Today we have a guest who has embarked in on an inspiring journey from the medical field to applied psychology all while championing diversity equity and inclusion Joining me is Anjali Bharadwaj a trailblazer who with a background in medical sciences Anjali transition to applied psychology reflects a deep rooted fascination with the human mind Currently as a consultant at Embrace Anjali specializes in DEI initiatives utilizing her insight to shatter barriers and ignite inclusivity Hi Anjali how are you Hi Swapnil I'm good thank you for ma- having me on the podcast <laughs> Okay I I must say like uh, you are one of those people who really I mean who uh, instantly agreed of doing the podcast I mean because I have a lot of trouble in you know telling the people what is it what it is about and you know uh then record then come in come to recording it like takes around 7 to 10 days but I must tell when I told you like the podcast you instantly got ready and now we're doing the podcast so nice <laughs> yep also I, yeah yeah also anjali I got to know that you know uh, obviously the podcast is produced by IASBR Business School Bangalore and uh, Pelinkar Business School uh, which is uh, i guess 50 to 100 meters away from our college in that college your real brother studies have you been to that college uh, bangalore before not yet honestly i've only seen the environment and how bangalore looks through video chats right now what i'm planning to visit okay. my brother real soon so hopefully i'll get to see the okay. college <laughs> so he's in he's in first year or second year he's in second year now So okay nice 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 great great Okay Anjali so we'll jump to the questions uh first of all i must tell you the shift the transition you made from medical sciences to psychology applied psychology uh it's uh, you know it's fascinating the first question which i want to ask you your path from medical field background you know to applied psychology is intriguing you know could you share how your fascination with psychology led you to shift gears and ultimately focus on fostering diversity equity and inclusion in your consultancy role okay this one's a quite interesting and for this one we'll have to go back to when i was in actually fourth and fifth grade so okay. when i was <laughs> when i was in fourth grade i randomly had a desire to become a psychiatrist and okay. i'm pretty sure it was after watching a movie or something that sparked yeah. that particular interest but Okay. However, I dive deeper into how to become a psychiatrist and stuff like that, and I realized that the MBBS degree was mandatory for that. But mm. <laughs> it took me less than a year to realize that MBBS was something that wasn't really in my cards. So okay. because of that reason, I think I specifically shifted towards the field of psychology only. And mm. but I was still intrigued by a lot of uh, you know theories for neuropsychology and cognition, working of the brain, as we discussed earlier. So all these mm. things led me to pursue my medical stream in eleventh and twelfth grade. But I took okay. uh, psychology as my optional subject, and I was mm. still like I realized there was a lot to explore about the field of psychology, which led me to pursue my applied psychology degree post my twelfth okay. grade. So that's how I got mm. into psychology and completely left the medical stream. It it is still overlapping, so I didn't exactly leave it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And interestingly, now if I talk about my shift from psychology to DEI consultancy, which doesn't seem mm. too connected, 
but yeah. i can't i can't actually help but think that i got a bit lucky along the way like my path wasn't exactly a straight arrow here if i'm being mm. honest and completely unfiltered i there was a time in college when i actually had no clue what i was going to do in the future so i started exploring mm. more at that time i started reading more and more research papers and that's when mm. i was actually introduced to the concept of generational diversity and you know gen z entering the workforce which is quite the buzzword these days okay so i started reading more about that and i got this mm. uh, one particular internship during the same time which was at mm-hmm. a dei and hr consultancy firm which i'm currently working at so i got to work there as an intern in my college third year and there mm-hmm. i think i was introduced to shruti swaroop who was the founder of the firm and she is okay. the global inclusion consultant so with her mentorship and her guiding i was able to you know figure out okay how we can you know actually connect behavioral psychology with dei and bring a change into the organizations as well so i think that's great. where it started great great but anjali i actually want to know if you can tell me you know and the audience who is been hmm. listening i don't know they are very much aware of dei and uh, lnd so what hmm. in uh, uh, from a layman perspective uh, what is dei i want to know okay so diversity equity and inclusion i think this is a concept which is uh, much more common after the racism movement which happened earlier so after that okay. organizations become became more concerned about increasing the number of diversity you know mm. so starting may i yeah. think the focus wants on race particularly and in india it has always been on gender if i am mm. correct so it's always about increasing the female employees within the organizations so that's mm-hmm. what dei uh, is at the basic level increasing the diversity okay. within the organization now if we dive mm-hmm. deeper into the concept of diversity equity and inclusion so it's simply mm-hmm. about first aspect as we talked about uh, it's about increasing the number of diverse people mm-hmm. people coming from diverse background then so the equity so it's a hr thing sorry i mean it's a hr thing like it's something which uh, hrs really go forward with their career oh uh, right it's now like separate from yeah yeah right now it's the hr people who are working towards it but actually a lot of organizations are hiring dei experts for this particular mm-hmm. role so it's it's a whole okay. full fledged profession now <laughs> Okay, like so, it's very it's deeper than the HR work, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, hmm. uh, if I'm not wrong, in organization, people are having like uh, the upper management are having people who can actually look forward uh, into this thing, hmm. DEI, who can yeah. maintain the diversity. Okay. Yeah. So there are DEI community officers within the organizations who take up the responsibility of managing the whole. overall aspect of increasing diversity bringing equity and making a more inclusive environment for everyone hmm. okay so in in other word i guess anjali you're doing what you wanted only <laughs> i mean it will be in, under the organization because you wanted to be a psychiatrist and here you will be <laughs> obviously counseling people who i might it has i guess it's not only the diversity it's also about talking to people who might feel you know they need a some assistance i guess hmm. inside the organization yeah okay uh, i mean i want to ask you uh, can you elaborate 
any specific instance you know hmm. where your insights because you've been working in uh, embrace hmm. as a consultant yeah. so where your insights from behavioral psychology played a pivotal role in identifying and dismantling barriers hmm. uh, that hindered inclusivity within within an organization any instance like that okay this one's uh, a good question actually yeah. so i think uh, continuing our discussion about dei if i'll start uh, so what exactly is inclusion so inclusion is actually about accepting people as they are mm. and this is exactly where the role of behavioral psychology comes in okay. so behavioral psychology actually helps you recognize the connection between unique experiences so everyone lives a different life they have different perspectives so it's actually behavioral psychology which helps us identify those unique experiences backgrounds the way people interact with the world and the way that they create their own reality so it's actually the interplay of all these things which uh, if we be more accepting towards all these things which are very unique then only we can bring in inc- inclusion into the whole organization mm. so if i i think uh, i came to appreciate that diversity isn't just about visible differences it's about the unique differences with lies within the individual mm-hmm. and it can refer to all the things including the caliber the understanding of the person the expertise that they bring to the table mm-hmm. so everything uh, matters when we talk about inclusion as the ultimate whole goal mm-hmm. and i think by leveraging this understanding we can specifically design interventions which target these particular areas okay. to tackle the deep rooted causes altogether like if i'll give you a more uh, let's say practical example i'll i'll just share a story i think that will be better yeah, yeah. i'll just uh, give you this one intervention that we run uh, that we are currently running for this global fintech company mm. so these people i think this global fintech firm they were recently uh, facing a lot of issues with the women inclusion so gender inclusion is the term here Okay. So they were pr- particularly were not able to retain women talent into the organization. A lot of women were leaving organization because of simple reasons that their managers were n- not making them feel included, mm. or their managers were not giving them opportunities to grow. So we actually had a discussion with all the people, employees, the managers. We did certain surveys. We did focus group discussions to identify where the problem is, mm. and there we actually realized. Okay, the managers were actually having a lot of gender-related biases. Okay. Plus, even the women. So, women were having a lot of uh, self-limiting biases, which were actually stopping them from, you know, just going and taking more uh, responsibilities and opportunities. So, to tackle a problem like this, we came up with a six to eight months intervention journey. Okay. Now, the thing with behavioral changes, <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It takes no. a lot of time. Mm-hmm. to bring that particular change so we actually designed the 6 to 8 months intervention journey where we did a lot of sessions on increasing awareness related uh, to these gender related biases specifically mm. and we also did train the women to overcome their self limiting beliefs so i think that is the journey which is still ongoing and i'm pretty sure the impact that we are seeing even now at this stage we are in the middle of the journey right now but the impact is pretty amazing if we are talking about the behavioral change we can already see the managers a little bit more sensitive towards women now this is this is something interesting uh, i feel you know when 
I guess we all have sessions like this. I mean, people take sessions, you know, to understand, you know, we should not have these biases. But obviously, this this does not affect you uh, as a changed person overnight. This takes time mm, to understand, you know. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. the main idea here is that uh, behavioral psychology, like if I talk about the interventions, mm-hmm. so we are talking about bringing a change, but it's actually the behavioral psychology, you know, the restructuring that we are doing in the brain, yeah. creating awareness and everything. So yeah. behavioral psychology is actually one tool, which is bringing the awareness aspect into action. So it, mm-hmm. it is actually the one which is helping and reshaping the behavior. Mm. Great, great. Okay, Anjali, uh, because you talked about research, you know, you did a lot of research uh, Hmm. before entering this. So, uh, I want to ask you research on unconscious biases and uh, microaggression. These are something which is central to your expertise, you know. So, could you provide our listeners with an example of how you've leveraged your understanding of these concepts? How difficult it was, first to tell us and uh, to drive meaningful change within the workplace with the help of these things hmm. okay so i think uh, for this one i would like to start by talking a little about unconscious biases and microaggressions because yeah, i yeah. think a lot of people are not aware about what microaggressions actually are i've heard this question a lot of time okay, okay. so interestingly i think um if i will give you a particular stat so we usually receive 11 million bits of information every moment so that's the information that we are receiving but our brain is only capable to process like only 44 bits of that 11 million bits of information and it's like practically impossible for us to you know consciously just think about that particular information that we are receiving every time so what our brain do is our brain usually as we grow older as we experience certain things Mm. our brain tends to form certain neural structures Mm. and those structures actually help us to react quickly to a similar problem which we might face in the future So this particular process occurs and because of this, like 99.996% of, you know, our reaction, what we say, how we react, how we behave, everything is based on those unconscious memory that we have stored in our brain. So these Mm. things uh, makes us rely on our schemas. So these structures are known as schemas in a neuropsychological term. But Mm. because of this, we tend to make snap judgments. So irrespective of even if we like, I think that is something we, that is inevitable. (laughs) We can't uh, stop ourselves from making these snap judgments. But the problem comes when these snap judgments actually interfere with our, let's Mm. say, decisions in life where we get biased and it could be positive, negative and even neutral. It can be positive in a sense that I could be biased about a certain person and i could have good biases against them like if if i'm a female i might be biased towards another female and i might support Mm. her more than a male counterpart Mm. so that's that's how the microaggressions and unconscious bias both comes into the picture Mm. if i talk about microaggressions in particular so microaggressions are a little subtle form of these unconscious biases like there you won't exactly go and tell a person 
directly that you are biased or you won't make big statements but these are like very subtle form of discrimination if i'll give you example i think um i'll share my personal example instead so i think my brother still doesn't trust my driving skills just because i'm a woman <laughs> and i've heard this statement a lot of time so this this comes from the microaggression yeah this comes under a microaggression like he doesn't mind say, saying that statement out loud because he thinks it's very subtle to just okay. let me know okay oh my god your driving skills are not good and that made me question ke just because i'm a woman doesn't mean <laughs> my driving so skills won't be good doesn't come under unconscious biases this will come under yeah. microaggression microaggressions are a form of unconscious biases only so okay it's in oh. interplay of mm. both the things <laughs> another example could be i think uh, guys hear this a lot uh, specifically in india they hear a lot like don't cry like a girl mm. man up <laughs> okay <laughs> so yeah. even this is in microaggression mm. yeah so all these things i think uh, they look very subtle but they can have very huge impacts over specifically if i like since we are talking about the workplace setup uh, the microaggressions can actually make the environment very toxic because uh, if a person will like i personally like to go by the theory of tiny little paper cuts so microaggressions are like tiny little paper cuts okay. like initially if it's like if you are experiencing it very frequently you might not care much initially that it's just a paper cut but some people actually experience it daily and regularly and regularly experiencing such small little paper cuts can be very severe or lethal mm. so that's how microaggressions can impact people and uh, i've seen instances where microaggressions actually harmed people mentally emotionally and the individuals who were being impacted by those microaggressions weren't actually that productive and mm. engaged with the work that they were doing so i think the impact is pretty huge it looks like very small but it gets collected and then the impact is very huge if we evaluate at the end mm. and i was so shocked like microaggressions is so harmful but i was so shocked i was uh, attending this one conference recently okay. where there were a group of senior leaders of a global consulting firm setting so we were discussing about microaggressions mm-hmm. and majority of the senior leaders actually felt that microaggressions was something which were too trivial to intervene to begin with they didn't care about the impact as much as they should so i think it's the awareness which is uh, still lacking mm-hmm. Okay. so people are still not aware of the impact of microaggressions altogether mm. so i mean if i talk about yeah 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 yeah, yeah anjali yeah just i think you asked the question of eliminating these biases and helping organizations so i think the mm. most uh, you know beneficial way to help the organization first would definitely be creating the awareness around it Mm-hmm. but if i be honest uh, eliminating these biases is obviously like completely eliminating these biases is something which is not possible mm-hmm. because we can't stop human from making these snap judgments yeah. but we can instead uh, take steps in mitigating their effects so yeah. by awareness training and by a lot of sensitization mm-hmm. we can actually make a progress in this particular field where we are just making people aware to in- decrease the effect and mitigate their impact mm-hmm. true true so, uh, this is something which i can relate uh, to i guess you know sometime what happens is uh, i also get you know instant uh, thoughts about something i might judge someone uh, of what they are doing 
uh and you know what happens is what you told is microaggression i guess it it has a bad impact over time because you feed that thought to yourself again and again you know and you don't feel yeah. bad about it and you don't feel any you know any like you did any uh, any wrong or you thought any wrong so what i do is i guess for me uh, it actually works is i talk to myself for example if i do something if i start judging to someone i instantly tell myself you know something this is wrong you you, don't, you should not think like that you know it's wrong and i guess it yeah. helps me because i am correcting myself uh i'm telling myself consciously that you know this is something that is going unconsciously inside your head but this is not how mm. you supposed to think you know a conscious effort to you know uh tell myself that you know this is not something you should think so yeah i think yeah. i'm do- i'm trying to do well with these things and <laughs> as you said you know i, I think this, yeah yeah and i think that is pretty commendable i think that's what we are trying to do if everyone is willing to take the conscious effort to you know just be more aware of our own biases mm. then i think we all will be less likely to act on it or let them control us so that's yeah. actually pretty amazing <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> okay uh the next question is very interesting uh, i was dying to ask you this question are you learning japanese and korean if i'm not wrong you told me mm-hmm. before also yeah. and uh, you try to have conversation with your friends which is a unique approach to learn japanese and korean uh i want to ask you how has this linguistic journey you know complemented your professional growth in the realm of diversity and inclusion and have you found any unexpected parallels between language learning and di work also to add uh, this question i wanted to know like Uh, why only these language you started off with if i'm not i, I guess you have, i don't know if you have <laughs> learned any other language or not but why mm-hmm. japanese and korean you started with <laughs> i think i'll start by answering the last question first okay <laughs> so japanese and korean particularly i actually got into japanese uh, so my school used to offer as the third language they used to offer japanese wow. as one of the language i started with french but uh, french at that time i just felt that i wanted to do japanese much more than french language so that's maybe one of the reasons so i've been learning japanese ever since i was in 6th standard so that oh was one God. reason why you've been to yeah. Jap- you've been to japan or not uh, no not yet okay. <laughs> unfortunately so you're, you're, you're not yet you're getting prepared for all <laughs> yeah oh definitely that yeah. that has been a dream for quite lot long time <laughs> so okay. definitely and if i talk about korean in particular so i think my friend really got me into kpop so that okay. just that just made me more and more interested into learning the language plus i have two friends who actually are very fluent in korean oh. so as i was talking to them i think i i just had the conversations i initially started interacting with them and i picked up a few words and then i was like okay why not just study it <laughs> Okay. so that's how i got into both of these languages and i am still trying to learn a lot more i am uh, trying to expand and try out european languages as well german and spanish being two of the main languages which i really want to learn at this point of time wow so i think all these interests like if i talk about my linguistic journey so it all just comes down to that uh, i think i want to become a polyglot so that's like one of mm. my dream <laughs> that i still cherish great so i'm on to that 
Now about your other question, which was like the overlap between my professional life mm-hmm. and if it has helped me in the term of uh, diversity yeah. and inclusion. Mm-hmm. So I honestly never really considered the you know profound impact of language learning in this way. But now yeah. that you have uh, actually asked me this question and shed light on it, I can see how my journey with languages. I think it has actually made me more empathetic. It has a uh, increased my cultural competency if i'll be more apt mm. so after reading you know japanese and korean i've realized that there are certain phrases which phrases and expressions both actually which can differ across various cultures mm-hmm. so th- i think this process has actually made me more inclusive and open to learn more about different cultures uh, cultures and unique perspectives so yeah and i think interacting with individuals from these geographies would definitely made me uh it'll make me more inclusive and open yeah so yeah i i all that's I'm a good way to see it intrigued by this thing you know i'm i'm someone who is who is very bad at learning a new language i should tell you i know hindi <laughs> and english and i've been here in uh, bangalore from last one half year and to tell you i i don't even try also to learn the local language <laughs> may it might help me a lot of times but i don't know why the you know you don't get that excitement of learning because i feel when you speak hindi or english because you've been speaking mm-hmm. it from a from childhood you actually feel the words you know when you say it yeah but uh, but because that was your foundational journey when you were uh, yeah. When, yeah when we were child mm-hmm. and you actually grasp those word into feelings and now whenever you speak those words or sentences you feel that and i feel when i try to say for example uh, what is the what is the word madi okay madi is the word like maru uh, madi means karo you know do it for example stop madi gaadi rok do like that so this is the word i i know so i actually don't feel when i say madi means do it you know and this is something which i which which is very problematic for me because i want i actually i'm very uh, you know i get very jealous of people like you who try you have uh, uh, like this broader linguistic uh, knowledge but can you tell me something mm-hmm. how can i develop this uh, and how and I also think- yeah tell me angelia hmm. No, no, you can complete your question. Sorry. I, I actually, I, I have a lot of questions with that because I feel uh, <laughs> I want to learn it and uh, I want to feel it. It actually help you. Uh, and how does it help you? You know, as a person to learn so many language. Oh, understood. I think this is this is a whole different topic for a new podcast. <laughs> But I think yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think empathy, as I mentioned uh, while explaining all the benefits that I've uh, got from learning so many languages, mm-hmm. I think it has really nurtured my empathy. So okay. I think if you are, uh, as you mentioned, okay, we don't get the same feel by saying uh, a term in any other language, mm-hmm. be it anything else. I think the real feels are only in our mother tongue or English, which we have been yeah, speaking yeah. ever since our childhood. Mm-hmm. But I think if if we really go into the whole procedure, I I have actually interacted with a lot of uh, Japanese people. Mm-hmm. I have been to yeah. So I think after all those interaction, it actually helps you nurture the. you know empathy mm-hmm. 
to understand ke okay so that's how that particular expression is being used in their yeah. culture yeah so i think empathy is one thing that you can definitely maybe work on a little bit to understand more about their languages and phrases mm-hmm. and expressions and it's actually very intriguing if you learn about it like i think um, in korean it's 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 almost interesting that like people don't ask how are you doing they simply ask hey, did you eat well <laughs> that's mm-hmm. their way of asking how are you doing so that's yeah. like re- so many little facts which are very intriguing as you learn about that So I think you can start watching more cultural videos which will get you into that particular language. Yeah, this has to be some motivation to do. Uh Yeah. I mean exactly. you, you I mean you see YouTuber these English YouTubers or American YouTubers who come to India and they hmm. started speaking Hindi very well, you know. Aap kaise hain? Aap kahan pe ja rahe hain? I mean they're very good, you know, because they know obviously they have this motivation if they want to grow their channel, yeah. uh, they have to attract hmm. the Indian audience. and so that they should know little bit of hindi and they are roaming mm. whole india with uh, you know and they are learning so yeah this is something you have to have Definitely. some motivation to you know to make it you know uh, like you want to make something productive out of it and that's where i mm. guess your journey started Okay. definitely yeah. i've seen a lot of polyglots who actually visit the country that they like let's say they want to learn a particular language they'll directly visit the country after just learning the basics and foundations of the language they'll mm. prefer visiting the country talking to the people and then grasping the whole language so that's also yeah. truly interesting approach interesting to it as well as difficult and very scary <laughs> because uh, <laughs> Just you know, just you're Scary going. Scary plus expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. Okay, okay. Uh, Anjali, the last question of the podcast, uh, hmm. and uh, this is this has this has something to do with your balance. You know, your professional and social life. So your involvement as the president of the Equal Opportunity Cell and Rotary Club, Delhi, record that demonstrates your commitment to community and social service. so how do you balance your professional endeavors with these impactful roles and how have you influenced your approach mm. to fostering inclusivity in both spheres of your life i guess this go hand in hand if i'm not wrong because you are doing something which yeah yeah mm. yes yeah, say something about that yeah yeah it it mostly goes hand in hand as you mentioned mm-hmm. so like uh, if i talk about uh, serving as the president of equal opportunity cell so that was when i was in college Mm-hmm. so throughout my college i last year i served as the president mm-hmm. and the role of equal opportunity cell was to actually establish an inclusive infrastructure and environment in college mm-hmm. particularly for individuals with disabilities okay. so this this was actually a very rewarding journey like we used to work around ensuring that our uh, infrastructure in, like we included the ramps mm-hmm. for people so we used to ensure those type of things so that was actually very rewarding if i'll be very honest so mm-hmm. we even tried like uh, when i was the president we tried to incorporate braille library uh, in our college library so that was actually truly a rewarding journey and at that time i didn't face any issues balancing my in <laughs> any life because <laughs> i was just in college so internship managing internship was pretty easy similarly if i talk about my current role as being the uh, president of rotary club of delhi accord mm. so even that like rotary club mostly all the rotarians they are working professionals all our events events are mostly organized uh, when it's off for everyone so mostly it's on weekends only mm. 
mm-hmm. and the rotary club uh, particularly the project uh, actually talks about all facets of the society mm-hmm. so they address uh, the need of various groups from youth to elderly it will cover everything and every aspect of it we do mm-hmm. blood donations we do let's say uh, educational drives as well we do various professional trainings as well so everything is included in that particular thing mm-hmm. and i think it's very good for uh, networking so yeah. through rotary i think i'm very uh, i think the most uh, good part about being in this particular rotary club is networking because i got to meet a lot of uh, people uh, like lot of people who are already doing a lot for the society mm-hmm. and they are uh, you know we share our perspectives and bringing a positive change in the society which is like truly amazing so i don't actually see it as uh, you know something that i'm doing additionally so i think mm-hmm. i just i just uh, enjoy doing it so that's one of the reason why i haven't faced any balancing issues yet touch wood <laughs> i guess But the yeah. social part actually help you to do more good in uh, the professional mm-hmm. professional life because yeah def yeah mm-hmm. we get to hear a lot of perspectives so it's it's actually amazing to learn about those and it, those sessions are so insightful sometimes you get to meet people who are running their own businesses while ensuring that they are doing something for the society so it's almost very insightful and indeed very inspiring you know everyone has a different way of doing social service some donate some contribute mm. because i think they this is something which is uh which is which is felt when you do something like that i what yeah. i want to say is i know i'm very uh, confusing <laughs> what i want to say when you start doing these kind of things you actually want to do more hmm. more and more because mm, you at the end of the day you want to see what result happened with your uh, little action you know what what change happened and you then get addicted to that you know you want to see that result you want to see that change uh, you bringing to people's life is it yeah definitely definitely i think it's if i'll go into more of an informal language term so i think it's like once you get the adrenaline rush or by helping someone yeah. or by seeing the impact you can't stop you like you would definitely want more and i think it's it's like it's it's a genuine pleasure to to contribute my two cents to these me- meaningful initiatives i would say so it's mm. yeah great so this was it anjali <laughs> the podcast these were the questions and thank you so much for joining the podcast thank you so much for having me on it yeah and hopefully in future we'll do more such podcasts because i think uh, knowing human the behavioral psychology it's very deep thing you know i'll i'll probably come with a new topic and just uh, text you that you know anjali we want to have this conversation on a podcast okay definitely would love to <laughs> thank you thank you okay, so much thank you so much yeah thank yeah. you And thank you listeners for joining. It's a goodbye from my side. See you in the next podcast.